hear is that it doubled revenue or it quadrupled <laughs> revenue, and they come and say, "Wow, I want to double!" All right, all right, all right, let's go. And then, but how, oh, that's how they hired you, right? Welcome to episode 115 of Rockstar CMO FM. The M is for marketing and the F is for well you decide. As you're probably wondering, does the world need another effing marketing podcast? I'm your host Ian Truscott. I'm no rockstar, but I've picked up a thing or two over the last 20 years on my tour from techie to CMO and trusted advisor. And each week I chat to the true rockstars, my fabulous guests and chums, and hopefully share some marketing street knowledge that will inspire the rockstar CMO in you. Come say hello. We are Rockstar CMO on Twitter and LinkedIn and proud members of the Marketing Podcast Network. This episode is recorded on Friday the 20th of May. I hope you've had a good week and you are well, safe and staying as sane as you feel you need to be. This week, Jeff Clark and I chat about our new kid on the acronym block, PLG. My guest is an author and CEO of Strategy Sprints, Simon Severino, and I wind down the week in the Rockstar CMO virtual bar with Robert Rose for a cocktail and a marketing call. But first, we need to play the bar tab. I'll be back in a moment. We'll be right back. You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy. Tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. On to our first segment. Recently, I've been thinking about a new acronym, PLG, Product-Led Growth. I wrote an article about it, but who better to ask and share that conversation with you than my chum, former Serious Decisions Forrester Research Director and sought-after Rockstar Marketing and Strategy Advisor, Jeff Clark. Welcome back, Jeff, to Rockstar CMO FM. How are you, my friend? I am doing very well. How are you doing? I'm doing good, mate. Thank you very much. Uh, the weather is quite lovely right now. We've had some rain, but we have a blue shining sky and it's half past six in the evening for me. So how are you? How's your weather? Well, we are having an unusually cold rainy snap uh, and uh, it has been it has been warm. And mm-hmm. this weekend it is going to get up, believe it or not, in Massachusetts in May near 100 degrees Fahrenheit. So good it's... We're having some wacky swings in our mm-hmm. weather, but uh, today we're fortunately getting some rain for yes. our gardens. Well, Johnny, good. Johnny, good. So that's the first uh, um, order of business sorted out. We've, uh, we've done the weather. Um, so the next thing we want to talk about is um, I actually have been uh, writing things. <laughs> <laughs> which is rare for me recently i i, I haven't written very You've much been busy on my, yeah well i haven't written very much on my blog or anywhere recently which is which is pretty poor but uh i ha- i was inspired i uh, by a new term that i learned and i know how we love to talk about marketing acronyms on the <laughs> show um i learned about plg and product-led growth um something that 
I think first came about from Open Ventures, who started it. I read an article by them, but also the interesting article got me hooked, which was, uh, I can't remember, I think it was on Venture Beat or some, um, which on. Yes, it was, on, yes, it was, yeah. It was on yeah. Venture Beat. Was a chap called Michael Litt, co founder and CEO of Vidyard, you know, the, the video platform. And he described it as an acronym that will transport, transform rather software. So I thought, well, I better pay attention to this. <laughs> so, I started, so I started going through it and I, I wrote an article. And, but I thought, as uh, I have, you know, one of the four thinkers of this kind of thing, X. Serious Decisions Forrester Research Director appears on this show every week. <laughs> I thought I'd I thought I'd ask the question, what say you, Jeff? Oh my gosh. You know, my first when I uh when I read your your blog and uh was was thinking about this, my first thought was, okay, the engineers, they want to get rid of marketing, they want to get rid of sales. They want to, you know, these people we spend way too much money on, and we're just gonna have the product sell itself and um and so and you know and and then i thought well you know gosh i use a couple of these products (laughs) you know that are that that follow this you know and 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 actually have for you know a while but you know it's certainly you know zooms uh a big one that that is i mean right now it's because of the pandemic it's just absolutely pervasive and yes i kicked in the extra money to buy a license so that i could control my own zoom experience Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, Slack and Google apps and Dropbox yeah. and this box and that box. I mean, it, it's, so I think that, that there's a, um, you know, there's definitely a place for this concept. The, the, yeah. the question I would have, is this a, is this a comprehensive business model or is this a tactic that is mm-hmm. somewhat, uh, bound by the types of products it, it could be successful yeah. for? Yeah, maybe I should back up a little bit just for the folks that aren't sort of B2B tech SaaS marketers out there. This is the idea that your product is your marketing, right? Is that you you hook people in with a freemium model, you offer them just enough features to be vaguely useful, they share it with everybody and start using it, and then you have a subscription model when you start to pay the monthlies. And as you say, folks like Zoom, Slack, uh, and Dropbox have been sort of the leaders in this kind of way of working. And the idea is, is that you actually put a lot more investment in your products than you do in your marketing, which is what I kind of read between the lines on there. So so as you were saying there, I mean, we've all done it, right? So, for yeah. example, you know, uh, I, I did the same with Zoom. You know, I have the I, I, I did that. But one of the things I found was quite interesting is the way that this has kind of the way that, that it's become a sort of like a Trojan horse into the enterprise, right, is that is that you, you and I have been around for a while. Um, we've, we've worked with vendors and we've advised vendors that are mo- and a lot of them want to be in the enterprise. I'm using yeah. air quotes here, right? But it seems to me that folks like Slack and Zoom have been incredibly successful in cracking that enterprise thing by taking this different model in, isn't it? It's a user-centric, bottom-up model rather than the traditional model of trying to crack the CEO, CIO and and convincing him that he needs to buy a thousand licenses. Yeah, yeah, and and then and then trying to you know uh, you know once you have enough users within either within an organization or just across you know a certain yeah. demographic, then all of a sudden you do you go to the the upselling of uh, you know I'm uh, if I'm a Dropbox and and yeah. in, in Dropbox now there's you know there's workflow or there's enterprise versions that uh-huh. integrate with other 
you know, enterprise applications, et cetera, et cetera. And so you, um, I even, I think Zoom, I, I've been on Zooms, which actually were uh, a Microsoft platform that was basically a Microsoft uh, private labeled Zoom with some additional features and functions. And it's wow. like, and and so, <clears throat> so yeah, there, it is, um, you know, you're trying to see the public or see an organization and then, and then you work your way up, which is one of the reasons I asked the question, is it a, is it a, is it a, is it a, a comprehensive yes. business model or a tactic because as a comprehensive uh-huh. business model i think a lot yeah. of these organizations are trying to you know get in and then move up uh mm-hmm. as opposed to what microsoft does which is like sell the cio and then yeah. push Let everything down, down. yeah uh, or yeah. like an ibm you know you're an ibm shop you're an oracle yeah. shop you're this and so now yeah. every every lousy little utility we have we have yeah. is, is yours and yeah. and which you know which I've, the user base I, in a company i mean they always it's like we always hated that kind of thing yeah well i apologize because yeah you asked the question and i i walked back and then we didn't face it but yeah you're absolutely right but i think it, it is it has to be a business model right for that for a specific kind of tool right it's it can't be a tactic because you need to be baking that into your software and having this whole whole concept as your go-to-market strategy as a um startup or or a growth strategy with an existing tool wouldn't you you'd have you'd have to have everybody on board the development operations your commercial would have to fit around it and and god forbid if you did allow to do some marketing marketing would have to work with it as well right so yes it's a and 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 also from a marketer's perspective, you're really focusing on different audience, aren't you? Whereas previous, traditionally, with an enterprise product, you'd be targeting the the VPs and directors and CMOs, or at least we yep. we believe we're talking to CMOs. I mean, very rarely they're they the actual buyer. Um, but um, you're now targeting individual users, aren't you? Yeah, and I, I so I guess you know one of the things to think back. I, I know maybe the way I phrase the question of business model versus versus tactic is there's mm-hmm. a there's 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 both a middle ground where it is it's obviously it's more of a of a business strategy, yeah. and but one of the things to think about is for these companies is it is it something that that is um, that, that basically is how the entire business operates, yeah. and then in that you know you know eventually all these companies as they want to grow and get bigger and they have multiple yeah. products and they say, Oh, well now there's the suite. Okay. Now there's the, yeah. now there's the package that the, that the IT department can, you know, can yeah. manage now there's so, yeah. so that's to me, it's a, it's a, it's a way of gaining entry. Uh, that's a, a excellent strategy. And, and typically you start move trying to either, you know, move your way up mm-hmm. um, or, you know, I think one of the other things is because, you know, one of the other questions I have is like, you know, so where doesn't it work? And so yeah. there's some obvious, you know, like it doesn't work if you're selling, if you're Caterpillar selling tractors or yeah. it doesn't work if you're, you know, whatever, selling automobiles, you're not going to get the free auto <laughs> and never going to upgrade you to the, yeah. to the truck. Yeah. Um, but as I remember being in enterprise software companies, you know, we often talked about, but and, and and I don't I can't remember any examples where we're terribly successful, but we always talked yeah. about in product marketing. So there's yeah. the okay, I've got a product that yeah. that I've sold an enterprise license for, and there are things that I should be able to sell, whether it's yeah. additional support services, events, user conferences, blah 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 blah. You know all these yeah. these things 
that are helpful to the consumer and I, and I should be using the product itself to get those communications mm-hmm. out uh, or, or, yeah. or get the, uh, you know, the buyer more involved. Um, Cause I think ultimately what this, what this leads us to is a, it's just a, a, uh, some people who are thinking more holistic, which is like one of the, the concluding points of your article, people thinking more holistically about yeah. the entire experience from how I'm promoting and getting new customers through early use cases, adoption, you know, uh, ramping up, you know, uh, uh, yeah. you know, you know, and eventually taking people to purchasing and renewals. Um, so you're thinking about an entire uh, life cycle with a customer where the product, the selling and the marketing uh, are, are, are not so they're, they're not three separate silos. It's very, it's a unified process both internally and for what the customer experiences. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, the, the, the other, the other thing we were talking about was about, um, you know, does it work with, with all, with all different kinds of software? And I think that, you know, your point at the beginning of what you were just saying about, um, uh, you know, about whether it applies to all products. I think the idea that, that the user is actually considered, as, <laughs> as, you know, as a you know, user advocacy as part of um, re- retaining customers is important. And I think even in the old days of monolithic um, proprietary software that was that was on premise you knew that if the user didn't like it, and I've seen many instances of that in CMS in the olden days when I was selling that, if the user didn't like it, okay, yes. so it's a, it's a three-year death march, but it's, it's not going to stick. Um, but now with SaaS, it's a three-month death march, isn't it? If yep. the users don't like it, then it's not, not going yeah, they're, to. They're ditching it. Yeah, yep. yeah. So um, one of the things that we kind of little chatted about before I hit record was um, is where does this fit? Because now we've got our wonderful five effing fundamentals of marketing where does it fit in in our world of what we've been describing recently i like your emphasis on the effing <laughs> <laughs> of all the f's you were talking about <laughs> um but you know we go back to our fundamentals brand market research storytelling customer journeys operations i i think i mean you you made the point that it's like i mean it is the entire customer journey the user is the king and so you need you need to know, you know, what's the post-download experience? What's the purchasing journey? What's the renewal journey? And what's and you know, how am I able to manage or not manage? Am I able to measure, uh, you know, adoption usage? Right. You know, so all those things that would help me use the product in a way that can that can take the customer either to another level or to just you know being able to use it more, uh, you know, more. Um, uh, Regularly, because I think one of the the challenges of the of the free uh, products, and I you know, for uh, for a period of time, I was using Slack almost every day. But it's free, and uh, I don't know with particular groups that I was, you know, there was sort of fall off on usage, and then so all of a sudden, you know, I'm not using it anymore. Uh, it's still on my desktop, but I'm not using it, and so I'm not going to get to that next level. So, so it's like you know, where in the journey can the people from Slack actually help? You know you know, pull me back in or, 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 you know, make sure that the product has something that's going to keep me engaged with it, uh, as my, as the nature of my use changes. Um, and, and, you know, so that's just thinking about the journeys, but I think that when you think of all the other five fundamentals, there's a, 
there's a role for for each of them. Right, so let's go through those. Um, let's start with brand. I mean, they're, some they're going to need to know something about us, right, before they do their first download or the fifth yeah. download or whatever it is, right? Because the customers need to know what you're about. I mean, or you know, it's like I mean, I heard about Slack for probably. I don't know, maybe a year, maybe two years before I really got what it was about. So, so you know, there was a group of people out there who who heard and got the value proposition, and a lot of them were tied into engineering teams. As a matter of fact, I think that's where I first heard about it is that you know people were trying to automate uh, you know communication or, or or enable more communication within a department, and it's like, hey, well, you know, the engineering teams got Slack, so let's just pick up on that license, and you know, now we're all using it. And that's, you know, and, and, yeah. and that's how it gets going. But you've, you know, you've got to have that, that, that brand has to be, it gets sunk in your head as to, oh, that's, yeah. that's the product that's about this and it's about productivity and it's about communication and teams. And, and as I'm using it, I, that's being reinforced by, by my right, experience. Right, right. So that's brand. So yeah. the next one of our effing marketing fundamentals is research. We still got to do that, right? Yeah, and and I think one of the things that that uh, you know because whether it's for the product or your your communications, you need to know you know what are the what's the customer need what what's yeah. their you know uh, uh, you know how do how do they think and talk about this? Where are we going to find them? Because uh, you, you got to build your messaging that it's both going to be in the product, and it's also going to be by the promotion, and that and that has got to be it's. They have to be in sync because because yeah. one of the things and I, I certainly had uh, experience with talking to customers who had issues. It's like, you know, we bought the tool or we, we, we got the tool because it was free. Uh, we're using it in the team. Uh, and matter of fact, I, I know some customers who were like, you know, trying to come up with some early calendaring, pro, you know, team productivity, yeah. kind of light marketing resource management, you know, keeping track of projects. And it's like, you know, they get disappointed because it's like, well, I thought it did this or I thought it, Mm -hmm. you know, I thought it did some of these other things. And, and so if, if your, if your, your messaging is out of line and the way the product is built is out of line with the expectations you're setting for your customer, which I mean, there's, there's like dozens of online calendar tools out there that are, you know, all about your productivity and blah, blah, blah. And then as soon as you run into a, a roadblock, all of a sudden you've lost now you go back to brand. <laughs> it's like we yeah. lost that trust. Yeah. So you get you got you got to do your research to really know what your customers are going to be expecting and what the needs right. are. As usual, we're trying through the time. So um, the third one, storytelling, um, I think is related to brand, isn't it? We still need to be able to tell the story of what the benefit of this is, even if it's a fairly um, it's a fairly small tool at the beginning. It's still you still need to get understood of, of what where it is you're going, what it is. Yeah, because you're guiding you're guiding your your prospects and your yeah. free users through through you know their yeah. their journey. So you got to tell the story about what this is what this is yeah. about. And I, I mean, I remember um, talking to people at uh, at at Box about you know kind of an integrated campaign approach, and they mm-hmm. looked at me like I was like you know what you know be be organized and be where mm-hmm. this was this was years ago for anybody from mm-hmm. Box. So, <laughs> so they, yeah. they they had changed their ways along the way, but but it's yeah. like it, it's like they were just so used to you know people just download the product and then they go and then that's it yeah. and it's like well yeah, yeah but you know there's <laughs> there's yeah. you, you got to tell them more than that because otherwise uh, again yeah. you're going to leave them uh, you're going to leave yeah. them wanting yeah and then we talked about the fourth 
fundamental, which is customer journeys. Okay. And and the vital part there, I think, is that we we consider as a joint team with marketing and product development and with the operations guy beyond the sale, right? It's the, yep. the, that next part, the loyalty loop part, if we look at a McKinsey model, is then the, almost the most important, isn't it? And that's really the focus of this whole acronym, isn't it? Is yep. that focus on the loyalty loop. So, so customer journey is still important. And then if we move on to um, op- marketing operations, I mean, this it's, is this vital, isn't it? It's, more, gonna, it's yeah. more than important ever because yeah, every yeah. decision has got to be data-driven. So you got to yeah. get the data, uh, da- gather the data on adoption, usage, engagement. Yeah. Uh, you got to know what to do with it. Yeah. You got to be able to, to report on it. Um, yeah. And uh, so, yes, and you can go to our last episode about talking about operations. <laughs> and, and well, get the, but it is, to me, it, it, this is where... Yeah, it's it's and this is where also you could think about you know marketing operations, product operations, yeah, even sales ops are it's more important than they are uh, unified in their viewing uh, this information uh, as one. But this is also where it's key to work with the product, right? Because if you've got a SaaS product, you've got an incredibly large amount of data at your disposal should you decide to use it about usage statistics, which features people are using, how much they use it every day. It becomes part of your marketing dashboard almost. And the product people need to make sure that you – this. This yeah. information is accessible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think on in conclusion, I think that the idea of the product being part of your go-to-market strategy is positive, right? But Absolutely. But should we be calling it product-led growth? I mean, when I first saw the acronym, it frightened me because I thought of the, the, all those times, all those years that I've spent in product marketing or, as, or in marketing where you have some bright, CTO, CIO, developer going, I just need more features. More features will win. <laughs> and more features, sadly, doesn't win. They'll and, sell itself. And people of a certain vintage then reach back and talk about Betamax and things like that. Yes, right? yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I won't explain that to the younger listeners. They can go look that up. <laughs> it's so B-E-T-A-M-A-N. <laughs> so, so what's our conclusion there, uh, Jeff? I think, you know, and this is one of the things that we talked about at Forced to serious decisions all the time. The integrated, the alignment of product marketing and sales, you know, yeah. is, you know, three different functions, but the integration and the alignment across those, I should say more the alignment than the integration, yeah. is absolutely essential for really the success of any organization. And this is just taking it to a, a, a much higher, tighter level because yeah. you are, you know, you are marketing and selling through the product as well as outside of it. Yeah, cool. And the third part. So we've done the weather. We've now done the topic. Our third point of our agenda is what tune are you choosing this week, Jeff? Well, I am. I'm going to. I know it's not uh, Halloween time, but I'm going to go back to Smashing <laughs> Pumpkins' uh, song called "Tonight Tonight." There, you know, I was thinking about, you know, about you know, you're trying to deliver something. Yeah. You're trying to get your somebody to believe in you. You're trying to develop a relationship. So the yeah. song "Tonight Tonight" talks about believe in me as I believe in you. And that's that's what you're trying. That's what Slack's trying to do to me right now. Splendid. Well, I love it. So I'll play up with tonight's night from Smashing Pumpkins in 1995. And uh, will you be back next week? Yes. Excellent. Yes. And do we know what we're going to talk about? Yet? I think we have a new topic. We're going to talk about uh, winning in a transitioning market. Nice. And I think that's going to be an article that you're going to write, hopefully. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jeff. I'll see you next week. Have a good one, my friend. Slow 
Thank you, Jeff. And that was Tonight Tonight by the Smashing Pumpkins from 1995. What do you think of PLG? If you have any feedback or suggestions, we'd love to hear them. We are Rockstar CMO on the socials or drop us an email at hello at rockstarcmo.com. Right, on to my guest. Simon Severino is an author and CEO of Strategy Sprints. He helps business owners in SaaS and services run their companies more effectively, which results in sales that soar by getting owners out of the weeds through his Strategy Sprints method. His team is trusted by Google, Roche, Amgen, ABV, and hundreds of frontier teams. He hosts his Strategy Sprints podcast, is a TEDx speaker, writes for Forbes and Entrepreneur Magazine, and is now on Rockstar CMO FM. Hope you enjoy this conversation. Welcome, Simon, to Rockstar CMO FM. How are you? Hello, everybody. Excited to be here. Yeah, splendid to have you. And Simon, for folks that have not come across you before, tell us a little bit about yourself. Simon Severino, since 21 years doing only one thing. Uh huh. I'm here to help entrepreneurs double their revenue in 90 days, have done nothing else the last 21 years. I love it. Mm-hmm. I changed everything about how I do it. Of course, it became digital. Yeah. But that's that's what I do. I'm here to serve entrepreneurs, double their revenue, regain their time back. And yeah. that's what I do. And you've always been in sales? Always in scaling of business. And right. in there, in some years, we had different challenges like balance scorecard or how to steer the yeah. whole thing. And uh, But over the last 11 years, it, the inside of the whole scaling and go-to-market area, mm-hmm. what people have needed most from me was literally sales. Right. And right. so, and growth. yeah, yeah that's yeah, what they yeah. need right now. The oxygen. Yeah. The oxygen. I love it. Yeah. And so um, at the moment, you run a consultancy called Strategy Sprints. Tell us a bit about that. I mean, is that just you or have you got a team with, working with you? It started as me helping mm-hmm. people double revenue. And now... Yeah. We are a global uh, team. We mm-hmm. come together every Monday. We discuss each marketing number, sales number, and ops numbers of every client. Yeah. Yeah. And the the coaches, the certified strategy sprints coaches, they mm-hmm. are from Singapore to Los Angeles and in London and in between. Right. Cool. Cool. And it sounds like it sounds like from the research we did, it sounds like you've you've got like a little franchise model where you certify these guys. Do they all have their own? You know, you're enabling them to have their own business, presumably, right? Exactly. So we we are like the the Avengers team. Everybody has their superpower. <laughs> uh-huh. They can do their fight on their own, but together we yeah. are we are the best because right. when we bring those superpowers together, that's magic, and we enjoy that. Nice. And and the clients, of course, have the best because they get exactly what they need. Some of us has scaled exactly that in that mm-hmm. situation, in that structure, in that complexity, yeah. in that continent. Yeah. And so they get they get what they need right now. I like it. I like, and that's often, often a challenge, isn't it, for people when they come up with a methodology and they, they're doing things on their own, like you were at first. And how do you grow grow your agency? So you've grown it through through coaching and this franchise model, right? Rather than, or have you hired a huge team? How did you, how did you scale your business? Yeah. So I was the bottleneck of my own business because (laughs) I I think it was around 500,000 per year in revenue Mm -hmm. that I just couldn't do more. I I just couldn't fly more. I'm either in Paris or I'm in Singapore. I cannot be in both cities. And so I had to change two things about my business model. First, 
from workshop to mm -hmm. uh, it works wherever you are. It works everywhere right now. Yeah. And that was easy because of technology. So now it works on every phone, wherever mm -hmm. you are. It's like yeah. Spider-Man and his guy in the chair. Hey, what should I do? Says Spider-Man. Give me a second. Tick, 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 do, yeah. do this. Yeah. That's, that was the technological innovation that I had to do. The second one was a business model innovation. I had to fire Simon from operations. Right. Simon is not bookable as a coach anymore. Right, right. Because somebody has to run the business right? yeah, at some yeah. point. You cannot yeah. always solve the problems of others. At some point, you have to solve also your problems. Yeah, yeah. And that's the interesting thing, isn't it, for entrepreneurs? They've got to do one or the other. Either they hire somebody to be their boss and do the operations, right? Or they have to fire themselves from that role and 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 get and, and bring in, sorry, fire themselves from the delivery role and have other people do the delivery. So you've taken that route where you've you've decided to own the business and be the business owner rather than the person delivering the, the work. Yeah, that's the most fun, of course. Yeah. And uh, because then you move from being the hunter to being a gardener. Yeah. And the yeah. gardener is the cool thing. Yeah. Now, I'm, yeah. now my day is amazing. I have workouts every day. I play with my kids every day. I am in nature every day. And yeah. we are helping business owners save mm -hmm. 10 to 14 hours per week of their time, plus doubling yeah. their revenue in 90 days. And, nice. and this whole thing from the comfort of of my garden here in vienna mm. how cool is mm. that 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 yeah. was that was the goal yes to have something that i can really rely on it's repeatable it works like a charm independently of me every monday we come together i coach the coaches i improve the quality i improve specific joint venture partnerships and and the growth mm. levers and and being on stages being on podcasts yeah. That has become more writing, writing the first book about the method, yes. which just came yes. out, Strategy Spring. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, it's it's great. And I think it's a great model and, and probably an aspiration for many people that are becoming entrepreneurs and, and selling their services rather than being working in the client side. So in in your in your book and in your methodology, you talk a lot about agile. Um, and we talk a lot about agile in marketing as well. And we I feel that marketing is an agile agile discipline we should be working and fell fast but you're talking about doing it at a much higher level a business strategy level tell us about that why does agile particularly fit what you're trying to do everybody talks about agile but how many people are agile right now <laughs> yeah true. so right now i if i ask listeners okay tell me the marketing numbers sales numbers and ops numbers of this week mm -hmm. so in marketing yeah. how many people were on a website this week What's the mm -hmm. difference to the last four weeks moving average and yeah. to the four weeks before? Yeah. Why is that gap? Why is that plus 0.3% or that minus 0.3%? What is it? Yeah. Is it strength yeah. of a process of a person of a product? So that is agile. Agile means you know right now what's going on in your reality. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. you know it fast enough so that you can respond to it right right not react means it's over and you just mm -hmm. have to cope with it yeah it's respond you yeah. still can do something about it and and shape the outcome so right. that's agility and the same thing with the sales number how many sales conversations did we have this week how many did we convert how many follow-ups open follow-ups done right operations 
How many client referrals did we get this week? How many pissed off clients do we have? How many did we turn into a magic moment, into a super yeah. fan because we implemented what was pissing them off in the next, mm. in the first four hours? Yeah, yeah. And I think this is really important, isn't it, these days? I mean, I'm, I work in B2B tech mainly, and, and we mostly work, um, and nowadays most of that is SaaS, right? So if, you're, if you've got software as a service, then it doesn't work for you to do this on a monthly or three monthly basis, right? You've got to be constantly reviewing what's Imagine. happening with churn and what's, yeah. In yeah. software, it's so important the churn rate. How many people yeah, are yeah. you losing from your current cohort? Yeah. yeah. And it's a huge difference if you have 7% or 6.3%. Mm. Now mm. that sounds like a small difference, right? Oh, what mm -hmm. is it? 7%, 6.3%. Well, yeah. I can run you through the numbers. It's a huge difference. And especially yeah. if, you, if you see it after a month, it yeah. means you have lost four sprints. You have lost yeah. four weeks' time to respond to that. Yeah. Because you need to find out why are they hopping off. Yeah. What can we do? Do yeah. we improve the button, the copy, the, yeah. the colors, the images, the landing page, the sales yeah. material, the email, the call to action button on the email? You see how many yeah. Yeah. options yeah. to improve that. Yeah. And you want to try two or three of, of those solutions per week. Mm -hmm. So you need to know it early. You need mm -hmm. to test different solutions. And then you get a grip on it. Yeah. Same thing with you have probably some taster, a free trial. How many people yeah. are opting into the free trial? How many people are really converting? Same thing. Yeah. Uh, eight, nine things to optimize there. Right. And you don't want to start optimizing after a month because it's quite late. Now you have lost a couple percentage people to your competitors. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Get them back is hard. So mm -hmm. you better work every week on improving the experience and making wow moments so mm -hmm. they stick around longer. You have a higher retainment, lower cost of acquisition, this yeah. is, these are the things we focus on with our clients. Yeah, and I totally get that with churn, like because, like you say, you can find yourself a quarter behind on your numbers in no time, it, just with a fairly low, low change in in churn rate, in, uh, uh, increase in churn rate. Um. So, uh, and then, so you're recommending here that people look at this stuff on a weekly basis, right? This discipline, this agile discipline you have, is uh, those dashboards are happening weekly, right? The dashboard is in real time, always updated. It's, it's so right. simple. It's just three numbers, marketing numbers, yeah. ops numbers, sales numbers. Yeah. So it's in real time and the whole team has access to it and reports into it, updated. Right. Right. But every seven days, we come together as a whole team, mm -hmm. independently of the size of your business. Yeah. All departments look at it. So we think business as being Marketing department, sales department, and ops department. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. We simplify it to these yeah. three basic activities. Yeah. There is always one person in charge, and there is always a real time report about what's going on right now. Mm -hmm. And those come together in, those dash in this dashboard. And every yeah. seven days, we all reflect on it. Mm -hmm. Oh, this week, 0.7% increase in opt ins on that page. Let's learn right. about it. Why? Yeah. Was it yeah. the new copy, the new person, the new process, the new product? So what is working right now so that we double down on that? And where right. do we cut energy, attention, money from what's not working for the next week? So in right. each seven days, we have small improvements. 
mm-hmm. if you just improve 1% per week, that's enough. Right. You only right. need to benchmark yourself, your team against your last week. Mm-hmm. And have each number, marketing number, sales number, and ops number increase by 1%. If you're doing that, you are resilient, you are agile, and you make sure that you're doing the right things at the right moment. Right. And then you, you talked there about um, the main cohort there being marketing, sales, and operations that are checking out and looking at these dashboards and working this agile methodology. Do you find then that that group you know if you've got the ceo in that group then presumably the rest of the organization also needs to be agile so you find that that sort of ripples out that that because we're taking this 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 agile strategy strategy methodology at this high level then everybody needs to fall into place with that i mean everything needs to be agile about the business everything in nature is organized in fractals it's the Mm -hmm. same on every so-called recursion level so i'm looking from my window i'm looking at the tree right now The tree has the same structure as a whole thing. And if you zoom into the the single parts of the trees, they have the same structure also there. Yeah, yeah. This is why nature works (laughs) (laughs) since so many thousands of years. Because the structure is a fractal. Same thing with teams. There is no difference between the executive team and the VAs that work remotely for you in terms of how they structure their day and their reports and their outcomes. It's one team, it's one company, one mission, one client that you are serving. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so everything needs to be the same structure. So Mm -hmm. the meeting cadence is simple. There is a monthly strategy meeting. This is where you break down the 90 days, three goals, three numbers, you break them down into the monthly activities. Mm -hmm. It's four sprints. So you focus on four sprints and every week you measure. Mm-hmm. That's the strategy sprints method. It's very simple, yeah. but it's fractal, and you can react quickly to stuff. Right, right. The only right. long-term planning is the three years vision. It's on six pages. Mm-hmm. That's very detailed, but there is nothing in between. No milestones, no interdependency analysis. That's a waste right. of time. You mm-hmm. have three years vision, 90 days, three goals, three numbers, weekly focus. Mm-hmm. Who's doing nice. that? Nice. And what do you find is the biggest challenge there to getting that implemented? Because obviously, uh, you know, you've you've taken this sprint methodology, which started in product development, and now you're applying that to senior executives. Do you find that they're 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 quickly on board with this? What what do you think is the challenge that you have when you when you think like this or start talking like this with these sorts of people? Well, the first thing that they hear is that it doubled revenue or it quadrupled <laughs> revenue, and they come and say, "Wow, I want to double!" All right, all right, all right, let's go. And then, but how well, that's how they hired you, right? Yeah, it's quite a good yeah. promise, right? And so, yeah. and they go, "But how can we double?" As it's simple, yeah. we just have to increase by twenty-five percent frequency of your sales, conversion rate of existing leads, yeah. and the, the price that you charge. Yeah. We increase these three things by twenty-five percent. We have plus ninety-nine percent. Yeah, it's yeah. very simple. The only problem, and this is what 99% of you guys out there are doing, (laughs) you are doing much more than that. So if you just run the activities, try it. Focus for one month only on the activities that increase by 25%, your conversion rate, the frequency of your sales, and the price that you can charge for the same thing, you are doing much less your team is happier, you are yeah. done quicker during the day, you have more weekend, you have more yeah. life, you are happier, you look better, you are more fun <laughs> to be around. 
You will have yeah. positive energy and people want to throw money at you. you know, Please take my money. No, 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 I can't. Please take it. Wherever you are, things are getting better. Please take my money. I want this energy. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So that's the, and then um, we'll come back to your book in a second. But one of the things I did want to pick up with you on, because we've talked a bit about marketing, which is my, obviously one of my passions, but the other one is about content. And that you said that, uh, I noticed on LinkedIn, you said you need to regularly create stuff and put it in the world. Why do you think content is so important? I mean, you've talked there about analytics and growth and all that good stuff, but I mean, c- creating content, putting it into the world, why is that so important to you? I think it goes back to the fractal principle. Mm-hmm. So um, you attract similar patterns. Yeah. If you go out there and are grumpy, you will get grumpy clients. <laughs> right. If you if you are joyful and playful, you will have joyful clients. Yeah, yeah. So how do they know? How do you attract? By putting stuff out there. Show your mm-hmm. essence. Show your soul. Yeah. I think this is really important to show your soul. Now, I don't know what your definition of marketing is. Mine is showing your soul. Nice. Because I think that's, that's, it's about it's that. trust, isn't it's it? It's about, about trust. And, and you got to show a bit of yourself to build trust. Think of a, a painting of Salvador Dali. Mm-hmm. You see it from the far. There is no logo on it. You know, this yeah. is a Salvador Dali. Yeah. You don't have to like it, but you recognize it. Yeah. And the Dali people, they find each other. They're a tribe. They love it. They yeah, go with yeah. it. They would pay everything for it. Yeah. That's good marketing. Yeah. So you see it from the far. You don't need formal anything. You don't need even a logo. You mm-hmm. know, oh, this is it. Yeah. That's a good marketing and also branding. When, when that works, the soul is shining through of what it is. Yeah. And then that attracts those couple people on the planet who need exactly that. Uh, so well put. I love that. I love that idea about soul. And I also like the idea, I mean, I've picked this up from Seth Godin about talking about tribes and finding your tribe and your content helps you find your tribe. It also helps you find the people that don't like you. Like you say, you know, somebody don't, some people don't like Salvador Dali. By the way, it sounds much better in your accent than mine, but some people don't like Salvador Dali. And, and those are the people you don't want to attract, right? So it's a great way of, of, of testing yeah. the market and who's in it for you. I love that. Um, and then, uh, so I said I'd move back onto your book. So you've written a book, Strategy Sprints. It's available on Kogan Page. Tell us a bit about two things, the process of writing the book, how you found writing the book. So I, I have a view that most of us want to write a book. So how did that go? And then and just a little bit about why somebody should buy it. <laughs> Don't write a book. <laughs> there are enough books. Nobody needs your book. Uh-huh. There are too many books out there. <laughs> Focus on solving real problems for real people. Mm-hmm. And uh, if after 17 years of doing this and you are yeah. swimming in millions and you don't know what to do, now share that in <laughs> form of a book. <laughs> I love that. And so having spent 17 years doing this and now swimming in millions, what are the key takeaways from strategy sprints that you'd like the readers to get if they were to pick it up? The main thing is how do you regain your time? Because most people, they are so much in the business that they need help getting to work on the business. But how do you do it if you don't have time? Right. Yeah, yeah. So 
my my mission was to distill those 17 years of doing exactly the, I was doing only this all the time mm -hmm. in mm -hmm. different countries different industries but it was always the same thing how do we regain time to work on the business and use yeah. that to scale profitability revenue right right so these tools 274 tools that work mm -hmm. i said okay let's let's share them more with the world because right. not everybody can afford a sprint coach so but 20 bucks everybody has 20 bucks and <laughs> it's 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 a screaming bargain i think it was seth godin who said every book is a screaming bargain because you yeah. might find an idea worth a million yeah that's yeah. this book but, that's the yeah, book, literally because it has all my checklist blueprints the the real things that i use i have it here yeah. on my desk yeah and in some months when i have a bad marketing months and go why yeah. don't we get more subscribers on our newsletter let me check chapter 4 <laughs> oh oh i i i jumped over this step cuz my way is i always think i'm smarter cuz you know i yeah. i wrote it so i think i can yeah. be smarter than it I, yeah. I try to shortcut i just jump over step 7 and yeah. then usually I get I get up. a lesson about that it's not working and the yeah. subscribers are going down or slowing down and then I literally use those checklists to get back on track. I love I love the vote for marketing books. I mean, we're not on video, but behind both of us is a shelf of books. So I yeah. can see that you're a fan as well. All right, so uh, I'm running out of time. Um, finally, uh, I'm going to ask you our final question. We have a regular feature on the Rockstar CMO. Uh, podcast called the Rockstar CMO Swimming Pool, our portal to marketing hell for all the overhyped trends of BS and snake oil from this marketing industry we love. What would you like to see chucked into our swimming pool? If you are doing less than $35,000 per mm -hmm. month, mm -hmm. repeatedly, mm -hmm. either in MRR or just monthly revenue, yeah. you should not spend one minute and one dollar on marketing. Wow, really? Only operations and sales until you hit 35K every month. Mm -hmm. And then you start doing your first piece of marketing, writing wow. something, content, podcast, whatever marketing is for you. Before yeah. that, focus on operations, make the experience so good that that is your marketing. People going right. to other people and saying, this is great. Right, right. And sales. Uh, referrals, follow-ups, right. and really conversations with people who are 80% ready to buy and close those people until right. you get to 35K. And then you are ready for scaling. When you have a good product and experience plus a good sales workflow, right. now you want to scale it. And that is what right. I call marketing. Now you show more of it to the whole world. You show yeah. your soul even more and you scale the baby. But first... Right. You need something scalable. Yeah, yeah. So you, you're an advocate of product-led growth then initially and then and then scale it with marketing once you've got to a certain point. 35K is where you have Spend. the marker telling you you are done now with creating yeah. the product. Now yeah. you scale it. I love that. I love that. I love the way you've got a number for it. Anyway, I could um, I could talk to you all afternoon. This has been fascinating. Thank you very much, Simon. And when people spin the dial on the interwebs and if they want to have a chat with you, where are they going to find you? I hang out at strategysprints.com. You mm -hmm. can grab the book, Strategy Sprints, on Amazon. If you do, uh -huh. please leave an Amazon review. Amazon loves it. 
Absolutely. And I also hang out on YouTube. I have two channels where I I share uh, all the mistakes that I'm doing all the uh, during the yeah. week. And yeah. one is called Simon Severino. One is called Strategy Sprints. Splendid. And I recommend people connect with you. It's been a fascinating conversation. Thank you very much, Simon. And uh, enjoy the rest of your day and enjoy playing in the garden or whatever it is you've got planned there in Vienna. And I hope to speak to you soon. Thank you very Thank much. Thank you so much. Keep rolling, everybody. Cheers, Simon. Bye-bye. Thank you, Simon. Loads to take away from that conversation and good to get a sales perspective. I will, of course, include all those links we discussed in the show notes. Right, it's Friday evening. Time to wind down in the Rockstar CMO virtual bar and find my friend and content marketing guru, Robert Rose, chief troublemaker at the Content Advisory for a cocktail and a marketing thought. Good evening, Robert. What are you drinking? Oh, hello, my friend. Uh, it is good to see you in the bar, and, and it is a good end of the week because it has been a busy week. It has yes. been a bit of an, I mean, it's it seems like everybody wants to get back to work or something, and that's, uh, <laughs> of course, very troubling. Um, <laughs> I think it's it's a crunch before the summer because I'm finding the same, and, I, and you know what it's like in Europe trying to get any work done during the summer anyway. Of but course. I, I think you're right. I think everybody's woken up, and I think there's a lot more in-person events that are happening people are getting out it just seems to be everything happening this month yeah it yeah. seems like it, it, it everybody has decided that may is <laughs> when i want to you know the funny thing is that i'm finding is that may seems to be the month where everybody wants to uh set you upon a task mm-hmm. but then not really respond to you in a timely <laughs> manner when said task is complete um <laughs> So I'm I'm finding a bit of a dichotomy there. Um, in any event, I have so I have a I have a wonderful uh, cocktail to uh-huh. uh, to share on for yes. a, a lovely Friday evening here, um, and so it, it is. Now I am the worst at French, but it is the class the classic name for this cocktail is a Boulevardier, Ooh. Um, and. I know I just butchered the French there, but but it is a wonderful. So it's a take, a, a sort of classic take on a Negroni. Mm-hmm. Um, however, what we do is we swap gin because mm-hmm. yeah, I know where I live <laughs> and I know where I am. Um, we swap gin for whiskey, uh-huh. and so Wait. that's the. It's just a. It's a really interesting. Um, you know, instead of making a, you know, with, with gin, um, mm-hmm. we, we make it with whiskey. So if, if you can think of a Negroni, but made mm-hmm. with whiskey, this is what we're, this is what we're talking about here. And it gets right. this really cool red color to it, which is just absolutely beautiful. So yeah. it becomes yeah. a little bit of rye or bourbon whiskey, whichever is your preference. Yeah. There. A yeah. little sweet vermouth, um, mm-hmm. and a little Campari, uh, and the Campari nice. of course helps give it that, uh, a little redness. bit of red color there, uh-huh. Boulevardier, and um, there we go, and that's that's wow. our drink, a Boulevardier, and that sounds like a real thing. It, it may interesting that the French choose. <laughs> it, it does sound like a real thing because <laughs> it is a real thing. It is actually a real <laughs> thing. Yeah. I'm not just making that up. Yeah. <laughs> it just sounds. It, it does, I mean, it just the, the French going for their the whiskey is interesting. I think. 
So anyway, I, I'm going to start with some ice. Is that is that the right yeah. thing to do? Okay, I'm going to get some ice out of this blooming ice thing. Uh, and I, interestingly enough, as an alternative to um, to what you just suggested, I'm going to swap the uh, gin back in. <laughs> ah, I see. <laughs> so I'm going for the most English of uh, bourbons or rice. Uh, I'm choosing Hendrix Gin. Ah. They're still not sponsoring the show. I, you know, I, I don't know how many times we're going to have to shout out Hendrix Gin before yeah. you get a case of it uh, sent to your door. I'd be lucky to get a, like a, a bottle or a half bottle or even a miniature at this rate. But anyway, uh, next. <laughs> and then you put in Campari and, uh, and some sweet vermouth. So um, I've trusted the good people at Fever Tree to mix up my mixer. <laughs> Uh, again, not a sponsor, uh, and I shall. Uh, I shall. It's very similar to Campari. <laughs> yes, is it? <laughs> is in it? The, in the, it isn't. <laughs> Let yeah. me give this a taste. <laughs> I'm not getting the beautiful red colour either for some mysterious reason. I'll give this a taste. Mmm, that's delicious. I could drink one of these every week, Robert. What are we I thought that? you might. Yeah, it's um, it's a lovely cocktail. It's a great yeah. after dinner cocktail i find yes very nice and we're calling that a boulevardier a boulevardier i should yes. be drinking these boulevardiers every week now robert because i'm classy now oh that's fantastic mm. very okay. nice and while we're drinking these boulevardiers uh and I, I think we've got the pronunciation right and i shall be uh i should be asking for these in all the finest drinking dens in the whole of london um <laughs> whereabouts are we going to be drinking these well, you know, there's a place where I've always wanted to go mm -hmm. and haven't been. And I wonder if you've been, um, which is, have you been to Cyprus? I haven't. I've been to, well, that's contentious, actually, because I've been to Turkey and Greece. So I'm sitting on both sides of the fence on that one. Um, yeah, well, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so by proxy, you've been to Cyprus. I've, yes, because... I've, I've experienced one of the cultures. How's that? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. No, I've not been to Cyprus. Yes. Well, that's where I want to go. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I don't know anything about it, so I'm not sure exactly, you know, whether we yeah. should go to the Turkish side <laughs> or the or the Greek side. Um, okay. Although, uh, from what I understand, the southern coast is supposed to be just amazing. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, you know, I think we should go find ourselves someplace on the beach on si yes. in Cyprus because I've been doing a bit of a photo tour of it and it just mm -hmm. absolutely looks spectacular and the history and everything that's there seems just yeah. absolutely wonderful. So it is a place I've, it's on my bucket list to go at some point, but yes. finding uh, someplace just to sit in the afternoon in the cool Mediterranean breeze and just sip yeah. one of these things seems, you know, seems pretty good. Yeah, and some really good olives, probably, and some some nice uh, kebabs and stuff when we get hungry. Sounds great. I love it. So there we are, soaking up the race. Uh, the we've we've solved all the geopolitical tensions in the area, <laughs> and and our thoughts turn to marketing. What are we going to discuss today, Robert? Well, I think we're going to start and chat. I mean, <laughs> not that not that this is the most. Um, relevant conversation that we would have on Cyprus when we're looking <laughs> at the view that we're having. Um, but if we must talk about something uh -huh. in marketing, yes. um, let's talk about data for a moment. Oh, um, exciting. Because <laughs> it's I... been a hot minute since we've talked about data. Uh -huh. um, and, you know, the interesting thing is I, I have come to the conclusion that we as marketers have oversold data. Um, and here's what I mean by oversold it. Yeah. 
which is so and you remember my old boss my you you've met my old boss and and, mm-hmm. and knew my old boss well um and he honestly was one of the best salespeople i've ever known he was just a, a great it still is i'm sure um mm-hmm. he is now not doing that any longer but he <laughs> is uh he, he's a fantastic sales guy and um yeah. and what he knew so well was he you know he could work a room he knew just the right things to say to keep the interest peaked. And then most importantly, and he used to actually himself preach this, he knew exactly, and I mean exactly, when to get up and end the meeting and be out, right? Yeah. And so it's just that key moment where, you know, you basically know the, the sale is made. And so you get out as fast yeah. as you possibly can. Yeah. Um, and you've seen the opposite of this, which is, you know, a salesperson who just doesn't know how to take yes for an answer. Um, <laughs> and, you know, and, and there's a couple of consequences from being, you know, the, the, the salesperson who just continually mm-hmm. oversells something. First of all, and I've watched this, I've watched a sales guy mm-hmm. actually talk himself out of a sale mm-hmm. because he just continued to talk and talk and talk and talk. And finally he mm-hmm. threw out some random comment about the roadmap of the product and the customer went, wait, wait a minute, what? Yeah. And eventually killed the sale. Yep. And then the second thing, which is almost as bad, is where the salesperson can't take yes for an answer and continues to offer more and more and more features and more benefits mm-hmm. and more, you know, just, you know, can't, yeah. it's like, stop already. They've said yes, but <laughs> continues to offer more services, more, you know, upgrades, more everything <laughs> until the customer finally does say stop. And by then you've set such unrealistic expectations yeah. that you're already set up to fail. Yeah, I was well. As you know, like beginning of my career, I was in pre-sales, so I've been I've been sitting there wishing the sales guy would stop talking for yeah, that very exactly. reason, right? That they, right. there is only going to be bad happen if you carry on moving your mouth. You know, I mean, I mean? it's that it's yeah. that classic thing, right? Yeah. Where the, the 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 customer has said yes, it sounds great. Let's you know yes. send me a contract, yes. and the sales guy goes great, and we can make sure that you get a discount, and we can make sure mm-hmm. it's like mm-hmm. you know, like, mm-hmm. stop talking. Anyway. I think we've done exactly that second consequence with data yeah. as, as marketers mm-hmm. because the, the, the rallying cry that I hear today and, and I've heard it, you know, I mean, if I've, if I had a, if I had a dollar for every time when I ask a big brand or a, or a marketing team about their measurement strategy and they say, we're data driven. Yes. You know, I'd be sipping a fancy tequila in Cyprus, right? (laughs) Because when I find out what's really behind that statement, Mm -hmm. you know, they are indeed literally data driven. In other words, they are driven by data. They're so awash in metrics and numbers and data, and it drives every single thing that they do. I mean, they literally can't make a move without looking to the data to say, oh, have, you know, what, what, what does the data say? Yeah, And they also have relied so much on data that it becomes the excuse, the rationalization yeah. to support anything that they do. Yeah, What that does is two things is one, it basically, it's a CYA, it's a cover your ass kind of thing, Yeah, but it sells into the rest of the business, your colleagues, your boss, et cetera, that you don't make a move. You basically have oversold the use of data to yeah. the point where they won't really agree on you doing anything new without yep. data proving it. Yeah. And and basically it puts up this wall where somebody comes in with this brilliant idea that they've come up with and the 
you know, on the commute into the office or, you know, in the shower, you know, they come up with this amazingly creative idea and somebody goes, okay, that's really neat and creative and all, but what does the data say? Yeah. And by the way, the data can't say anything because (laughs) if the idea is truly innovative, it means it's new and it hasn't been done before. And therefore there is no data on it. And so what we do then, because we're quote unquote data driven is we go out and we try and find the, you know, uh, you know, corollaries, right? The yeah. best case studies of somebody yeah. who's done this before to try and build that business case. Yeah. And then you have to ask yourself, well, if you can find some business cases of somebody who's done this before, then is it really innovative? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, how many times, you know, does yeah. it need to have been done before it stops becoming an innovative thing? Yeah. And so ultimately what I find is that, you know, as I like to say, data should ride shotgun. It's not, shouldn't drive. Yeah. Um, and the idea of data is we have to start from a different way and reframe this idea of how we're going to use data. So data in retrospect, like, you know, did this campaign perform and did mm-hmm. this thing that we did do well and all? Yes, it has a place. Those are table stakes. But yeah. if we don't reframe the use of data and yes. start saying, here's something new we want to do. Here's the objective. And now let's come up with great questions that we have about that new thing. And one of the answers may be, we don't know if it's going to be successful because we've not done it before. That has to be part of our overall measurement and data strategy. Else we will basically run down the road of mediocrity. If we, if we continue to be driven by always moving everything to the up and the right and ensuring that all we can do is incrementally do a slightly better or slightly worse than we did before. Yeah, I love this point. I love this point. And uh, and I think um um Prof G used to I mean, I know you listen to his podcast as well. I mean, I mean I, I know he didn't ex- invent this expression, but when you were talking about people going out and finding data to support their their innovative new idea, um he talks about um data can be like a, a lamppost to a drunk person they're using it for support rather than illumination. Yeah. And I, and, and I, that I, 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 cause I listen to podcasts while I'm walking and sometimes I have to stop and write a note. And that was one of those things. And I think that's what happens, isn't it? It's like, I really want to do this thing. So then I go and search for the data. You're already, uh, that's right. You know, it, you're already skewing the results before you even got exactly. There, right? we, so, so, we basically treat it like a, it, it's jeopardy, right? Yeah. Where yeah. We, we we're looking for an answer that we form in the form of a question. And yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 I also, um, you know, the idea of of <laughs> the idea of finding the data on doing something innovative, and then if you find the data, it's no longer innovative. It's, right. it's excellent. Yes. It's excellent, right? So, um, and, and also the way I look at this as well, because I, th- I think what's been lost a little bit in marketing is that it's not, it, it's, it's, you're actually hedging, right? So you should have a number of these initiatives happening, some of which are surefire things, and they'll support you with your, your standard stuff. But you have to have a couple of these projects going that you're not actually sure whether they're going to, um, th- whether they're going to have a return, right? And in and, and the fact that you know that is good enough data. Do you see what I mean? Exactly. That's yeah. exactly right. Yeah, yeah, that's that's yeah. well said because that is ex- yeah. that's exactly what um, I find as well, which is knowing what you don't know yeah is 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 also important and and yeah. probably more important and because you know just exactly to your point 
we should not only have a few things going where we don't know if it's going to be successful, we should probably have a few things going where we're pretty sure they're not going to be successful. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because, you know, I used to do this at the beginning of, of workshops and still do to on occasion once mm-hmm. I get back in person with people. Um, it'll, be, it'll be fun to sort of resurrect this little exercise. But it's one you can do with your team, which is you ask the team, you, there's three questions. You say, you know, should a company be innovative? Mm-hmm. And, and of course, 90% of the people will nod their head. Mm-hmm. And then you go, great. Have we ever, ever been innovative? Mm-hmm. And, you know, somebody will raise their hand and go, well, you mean like ever, ever, or like in the last two weeks? And it's like, no, ever. Have we ever been yeah. innovative? Yeah. And, you know, again, most people will probably nod and something, you know, yeah. you may get, you know, depending on your company, of course, <laughs> you get your, your mileage may vary on that. Yeah. But then you ask the people who nodded, you say, okay, great. When, when were we innovative? Yeah. And this is the part that gets me is. 9.9 times out of 10, <laughs> when you say when we've been innovative, somebody will say something successful. Yeah. Like nobody yeah. wants to be the dope that said, oh, we did this innovative thing and fell flat on our face. Yeah. Yeah. And so we have to be able to do that. Like I yeah. want to be able to say, tried this innovative, very cool thing and it didn't work, but yeah. we learned or but yeah. this or, you know, yeah. or we didn't learn anything. We just tried it because it was silly and stupid and we tried to do it and it yeah. just didn't work. And if we yeah. don't do those things, you know, it, it inevitably the things that really go viral, the things mm-hmm. that really are the exponential success are the things that the original, the originators of thing had no idea. Absolutely. Like nobody goes, oh, great. This Apple ad that we're going to create that's going to become the classic television ad that's ever mm-hmm. going to exist, mm-hmm. you know this is going to be the thing that goes viral and creates cultural change yeah. in the entire planet. Yeah. And they didn't do that. They were just making an ad, the best ad that they could make. And they yeah. were trying to do something cool and interesting and innovative. Yeah. And that's how it turned out. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I love it. And also you said, well said to me. So then I, I, I immediately need to conclude on this point. <laughs> <laughs> so that's excellent. Thank you very much. Robert. And when people are looking for similar thoughts that are incredibly not data-led, where might they find those uh, written by <laughs> <Yeah>. you? <laughs> I am the quintessential living example because my website is definitely not data-driven at all. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, you can find that at contentadvisory.net. <laughs> Fantastic. And when people spin the dial on the interwebs, where are you hanging out these days, Robert? Uh, that would be the algorithmic-driven platforms of Twitter. Um <laughs> Of course, that is a whole other thing we could talk about is the Twitter. Yeah. Um, and then uh, uh, and then on LinkedIn, I would love to connect with everybody on LinkedIn. It's Splendid. always great there. Splendid. Yes, I think the Twitter is being done by everybody at the moment. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, mate. And most importantly, will you be in the bar next week? Apparently, uh, that's the rumor, yes. <laughs> I look forward to it. Thanks, mate. I'll see you later. Thank you, Robert. Data is always a popular topic, but have we as marketers overplayed our hand there? Very interesting chat. So that's a wrap on episode 115 of the Rockstar CMO Effing Marketing Podcast. I've been your host, Ian Truscott. Thanks again to Jeff, Simon and Robert for sharing their insight. Please say hello to them. I'll include all the guest links in the show notes, which you can find on your favorite podcast app or at rockstarcmo.fm, where you can also find all our previous episodes. 
finally, thank you for dropping a dime into your podcasty jukebox, selecting our track and jiving along with us. So, does the world need another effing marketing podcast? Let us know on the socials or drop a rating or review in your favourite podcast app or just keep listening. I'm glad you're here. Next week, Jeff and Robert will be back and my guest will be Harry Morton, a fascinating chap and founder of Lower Street, a podcast production agency. Until then, have a great week. I hope you'll join us again here next week on Rockstar CMO FM. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.